There are today on the earth many buildings and, let me say, structures. They're not necessarily buildings, but some of them are structures. They're buildings and structure, structures that were first made thousands of years ago. When you think of long-lasting buildings or structures, I think if you tried to think of like the oldest structure in the earth that still, is still there, still standing, you might think of the pyramids in Egypt. Yeah, there you go. You can get on a plane and you can fly to Cairo and, and you can look at the pyramids that have stood there for thousands of years. They've been there, I believe, for 5,000 years. And yet you can still go and visit them. You can go to Rome, Italy. And you could, of course, see the ancient Roman Colosseum. The Colosseum was built during the reign of Emperor Vespasiano uh, in and around the 70s AD and dedicated in 80 AD by his son Titus. The original name of this ancient Roman sports arena, the largest arena of its kind, is the Amphitheaterum Flavium. At the Colosseum, spectators would come to see Christians eaten by lions 2,000 years ago. These structures were built thousands of years ago, but they have stood the test of time. They're still standing today. What's impressive is when something has been established and it endures for a long time, and endures for, uh, uh, through time. When you know something has stood this, the test of time, it, it, it is amazing. Today in our country, we have companies that have stood the test of time. We have companies operating that have been around for more than 100 years. One of them is uh, General Electric. In 1892, Thomas Edison, he merged two companies together to form General Electric. And General Electric went on to become one of the largest corporations in the world. I think at one time it was the largest corporation in the world. Ford Motor Company entered the business world on June 16, 1903. That's 113 years ago. When Henry Ford and 11 business associates signed the company's Articles of Incorporation. And with $28,000 in cash, these guys gave birth to what has become one of the world's largest corporations and has endured this day. How many have a Ford? A couple of you. Yes, I know there's some proud here tonight. The corporations that have stood the test of time. Well, just like the pyramids in Egypt, the Colosseum in Rome, and long-standing American companies, God wants your faith to be well-established and that it would endure through time and that it would stand the test of time. He wants your faith so well-established that it will stand the test of time. God wants you to stand the test of time in believing in and living for your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Living in him and living for him. The question is, do you have a faith in Jesus Christ to begin with? I don't take it for granted, even in this group tonight. I ask the question, do you have a genuine faith in Jesus Christ? Have you put your full hope and trust in the Lord for your life, for salvation? It's an important 
question, and everyone needs to answer it. And if you do have a faith in Jesus Christ, is your faith well established? Is it grounded? Is it firmly established? Are you firmly established in the Lord? How will your faith stand the test of time through the seasons, through everything that happens? The Apostle Peter gives in his letter here that we're looking at, he gives the first century Christians and us here, 21st century Christians, he gives us important keys to being to being people of faith and to having a faith that is well-established, amen? To continuing in and being well-established in the faith. And so really, he gives us two keys, and I've got two points for you tonight, if you're taking notes. Two simple points. The first one is this. Clothe yourself with humility. If you want to be well-established in the faith, you need to do this important thing. You need to be clothed with humility. And secondly, you need to resist the devil. You need to resist the devil. And so let's take a look at these two points tonight and look what the Lord would impress upon our hearts through his word. First, clothe yourself with humility. Let's pick it up in 1 Peter 5, beginning at verse 5. It says this, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. If we're going to be well established in the faith, we've got to be clothed in humility. For the Christian, this is necessary. It's mandatory. We need to do this. We need to be clothed with humility. You could say that the Christian life begins with and is perfected in humility. It begins with humility because we first must humble ourselves to come to God. We must humble ourselves before the Lord and realize that we are in such desperate need of him. And it continues and is perfected in humility as we walk with the Lord all the days of our lives. We never, in that sense, grow out of humility. We continue in humility. Amen? This is what the Christian life is all about. Peter continues in his letter to exhort the believers here as we've been going through 1 Peter. And we've come to uh, chapter 5. And here in verse 5 of chapter 5, he encourages the young people. He says, hey, Hey, you young people. Are there any young people here tonight? Amen? Amen. There you go. It's a state of mind. You can identify. You can identify. Hey, everybody out there is identifying as all kinds of stuff. I'm identifying as young. Amen? Praise the Lord. Young people, submit yourselves to your elders. Submit to your elders. Be improper submission to your elders. This is a part of humility being properly submitted to those who were above you in the faith, those who were ahead of you in the faith, those who were there put in a place to encourage you in the faith. And and for a young person, uh, you need to be submitted to your elders. You need to be in submission. You need to have that place where you can receive from somebody. 
That somebody can speak into your life. That someone can bring the word to bear upon your life and your heart. You need to be in that place. We don't grow to that place where we've outgrown having someone speak into our hearts and lives. Because that that would be prideful. And so we need to, in humility, submitting ourselves to our elders. Now, the first five verses of the, of the chapter, Peter dealt with the elders. And he gave them instructions about how they're to care for the flock that God has entrusted to them. And he, and he talked about how they're to shepherd the flock and they're to care for the flock. And, and they're to be very conscientious in the way that they deal with the people. Not lording it over people and not being ruling over as the world would rule over people. But to be an example of Christ in the church. To serve people. Servant leadership. An example of following Christ. And in that sense, for the elder, the elder is submitted to the people in that sense. Submitting himself to the people to serve. and, and, and And to to love and to care for and to pray with and to shepherd and to give guidance. And, 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 and no matter where we are, there's that opportunity to care for one another. You know, there we were out at the beach on Wednesday night and we finished up the Bible study. We, we had one of the guys that, that uh, had a hurt thumb and we said, well, let's pray. Let's pray for your thumb. And, 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 and just that kind of care and shepherding. And, and so the elders submitted to the body, and young people submitted to the elders, and so this whole thing can work, and God can do what he wants to do in our hearts. But look back there at verse 5. He says, likewise, you young people, submit yourselves to your elders. And look, he says, yes, all of you (laughs) be submissive. It's like he says, young people, oh, no, no, wait, wait, just everybody do it. You know, everybody needs to be in submission to one another. And this is the message that we find in the Bible. This is the message that we find in the New Testament. We find a message of mutual submission. It's a, it's, it's the, in the Bible, in the New Testament, in Christianity, submission is never a lording it over, one submitting to someone else who's then going to lord it over that person. It's never, that's never the idea of submission in the New Testament. In the Bible, the idea of submission is mutual submission. And of course, Jesus Christ modeled that submission as he submitted himself to the will of the Father and to the, to the humiliation of actually taking on humanity and coming into the world. And so in those things, Jesus Christ modeled the humility that we are to put on in our lives. And so he submitted himself to humanity by coming to be the Savior of the world and Isn't it the only logical conclusion, the logical response to then submit ourselves to the Lord following his example and then taking that concept and learning? And here Peter says, look, everybody, let's be in proper mutual submission to one another. Mutual submission. We see this throughout the New Testament. We see it in Ephesians chapter 5. If you just read Ephesians chapter 5, the whole chapter is about being mutually submitted First to the Holy Spirit, to God, not being under the, 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 uh, under the um, influence of a foreign substance. You know, Paul, that's the place where Paul says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. 
And so not being under the control of anything else, but being under the control of the Holy Spirit and then submitting yourselves one to another. And he gives the instructions for marriage. And he says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Ladies, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. And this is a mutual submission one to another. And this is how it works. This is how things work. This is how God wants it to work in our lives. And if we'll walk in that mutual submission, we allow the things that we're involved in, the relationships that we're in, we allow them to function at the highest level. We we allow our marriages to function at the highest level if we're mutually submitted one to another. As to the Lord. Amen? In the church, we allow it to function at the highest level as, as there's mutual submission. I mean, you can, you, you can be in churches where, you know, the people aren't submitted to the pastor. The pastor's not submitted to the people. Nothing's getting done for the kingdom. No one's learning any, anything. No one's being discipled. Or you can have a place where people are genuinely just coming. The leaders serving, the people wanting to, to be served and to serve alongside and to see an incredible thing being done for the kingdom of God and the kingdom advancing with great power and authority. Lord, help us to take on that submission to one another, serving one another. But Peter goes on, he says, be clothed with humility. Look at that, verse uh, five. He says, likewise, you younger people submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So we've got to be clothed with humility. Be clothed. Yes, it's, it's, he, he uses this term, it's like a clothing. To be clothed with humility. The phrase here, be clothed, it actually translates a rare word that refers to a slave putting on an apron before serving. In the ancient world, you would literally have uh, uh, this apron, this servile apron that that, that a a servant would wear. And this would not only prepare them to be in that role of serving, but it actually would designate them as being a servant. And so we're literally in that same way that the the ancient servant would clothe themselves with that clothing. We are to clothe ourselves with humility. And, And when I read this and when I studied it, it kind of rang some bells for me, it rang some bells for me from the study of the, 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 uh, the high priest and the garmentry of the high priest. And one of the pieces of the high priest was this, uh, it was a thing called an ephod. I, I talk about this stuff in my book. You had the ephod. They didn't have an iPod back then, but they did have an ephod, and it was pretty cool. And what it was, was it was an apron that the high priest wore, and it signified It signified this, it signified the authority and the humility to serve. It was that when we serve, we serve in, uh, uh, we serve in humility, we serve the Lord in humility, but we also serve him from a place of strength because as we humble ourselves before him, he exalts us and he lifts us up so that we serve him from a place of strength and authority in him. And so it reminded me a lot of that. And so clothe yourself, priest of God, with humility, clothe yourself. Now, I don't, 
Uh, I just saw this, actually. I just saw this uh, this week. And it was a little thing that was talking about billionaires, billionaire uh, entrepreneurs. And, you know, I'm not talking about everybody who's a millionaire. I'm talking about these, these specific guys that are these billionaire entrepreneurs. And what this particular little thing said, it said, it talked about them and said that a lot of these guys get up and they wear the same thing every day. And you think about these guys and you're like, yeah, come to think of it, they do. Every time I see them, they've got the same outfit on. And it was true. Steve Jobs of Apple Computer that, that literally turned Apple Computer. How many have an Apple product? Yeah, don't be shy. Yeah, you all do. Okay, he turned Apple Computer into the largest corporation in the world, and he literally wore the same thing every day. Black mock turtleneck, Levi blue jeans, and that was it. I mean, that was his uniform. I mean, no one else wore a uniform. He didn't require anyone else to wear a uniform in the office, but he had a uniform. It was a black mock turtleneck. And blue jeans, Levi's. Yeah, he's from San Francisco, so he wore Levi's. And then you look at maybe kind of a younger guy, a younger billionaire entrepreneur. Yeah, these guys do the same thing. And every time you see Mark Zuckerberg, uh, you see this guy, and he was always, it was the, the joke with him was always how he had this, you know, gap T-shirt on and a hoodie, right? And, uh, and so this is what, you know, these guys, you know, this is what they wear. And, and so these Billionaire entrepreneurs, it seems as though they, some of these guys were the same thing every day. And the idea behind this is that these guys were focused on establishing and leading a great company. And it, when, when it came to their wardrobe, they eliminated the decisions that were ultimately not important to focus their energy and their mind on the decisions that were more critical and crucial to what they were doing and what the job was that it was at hand. And they just kind of eliminated those types of things. And I thought about this for the Christian. For the Christian, we need, there's something we need to get, get up every day and put on. Every day, same thing. We need to clothe ourselves with humility. We need to have that same mind. We need to have that same mind of focus. We need to have that same mind that we clothe ourselves every day with humility. Now, the biggest reason to be clothed with humility is the next phrase. is because Peter says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Now, I don't know if you, if you caught that throughout the, the, the worship time. A lot of the choruses tonight that we sang dealt with kind of surrendering to God and actually bowing down actually was a theme in a, at least two of the songs and this idea of coming to God and humbling ourselves. First, actually being humble before God so that we can be in that place that his grace can flow into our lives. He, he opposes the proud. He resists the proud. And sometimes people don't wonder, they, they wonder where God is in their lives and they wonder where, what's going on. And, and I would submit this. If you truly humble yourself before Almighty God, he will begin to pour his grace into your life. He will not resist you, but he resist, there is something that he resists, and it's pride. It's the proud. He resists the proud. The pride 
His, it's been called the, you know, the, the, the chief of all the sins, the, 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 the sin that all the other sins flow from. And if we don't, if we're not able to humble ourselves before God, we can't put ourselves in a place of ultimately asking for forgiveness and being cleansed and being forgiven and having the love of God um, do what he wants to do in our lives. We're, we're being resisted because that grace is there. So what's the answer? Humble yourself before God. Amen. We need to put ourselves in that posture. That posture of humility, the, the, the position to receive his grace. And from that position, we can then cast all of our cares upon him. Amen? Look at that. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. There's a couple things here. First, as you're humbling yourself, you're putting on, you're clothing yourself with humility, humbling yourself before God, you're putting yourself in a position where God can begin to work in your life and begin to do the things that he wants to do in your life. And sometimes, you know, people have been fighting God. You know, they've been fighting God for so long and then they think like, oh, well, come on, God, just, you know, get with the program, do, do what you want in my life. It's like, okay, put yourself daily in a posture of being truly surrendered, humble before him, and just begin to see what God wants to do in your life. Give it a chance. Give, give humility a chance. True humility before God and see what's going to happen. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due time. It doesn't say like the next day. It doesn't say like immediately. It doesn't say it's like, you know, it's immediate cause and effect. Ding, ding, ding. Oh, I tried it. It didn't work, you know. Gave God a chance, you know. Didn't, he didn't work. How long did you serve him? Well, for, you know, a couple days. Really? No. Serve the Lord. Give him your life. Surrender to the Lord. Put yourself, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due time. Amen. And he will bring about his will in your life. Amen. And from that place, we can cast our cares upon him. Look at that, verse 7. Casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. In, in one way, carrying your own cares can, act, can actually be a prideful thing. You say, what? Well, I'm trying to help the Lord out. No, no, no. He wants to handle the cares for you. He wants to take care of you. He wants you to cast your cares upon him. And sometimes, uh, you know, carrying our own cares in that sense can be a form of pride. It basically says we can handle it. And the reality is that we can't handle it and we need Jesus. Amen. And and he wants to care for us, and we just cast our cares from that place of humility before him, humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God, casting our cares before God. And we should do this because he cares for us. God cares for you. He loves you. He cares for you. Let him care for you today. I want to tell you, Christian, God loves you, and he cares for you. And maybe you needed to hear that tonight. And that's why you need, that's why God sends preachers with his word. 
so that you can audibly hear someone tell you that the word of God is true and that God loves you and he cares for you and he has not abandoned you and he has not forsaken you. And if you will humble yourself before God and, and, and under the mighty hand of God, he will exalt you in due time. Amen. Amen. Cast is, a, is kind of an energetic word, <laughs> you know? It, it, it's, it's like when you go out and see these fishermen, right? They're fishing in the, you know, in, in the river right here, right? And you, you know, you, you, I mean, I guess there's some people that drop, that drop their line in, you know? You know, but, you know, you want to get a good cast. I, I'm no fisherman, okay? So I don't know what I'm talking about, really, you know? I've got one fish story, and I think you've already heard it. But, <laughs> you, you know, cast it out there. Cast is an energetic word. And literally cast your cares upon him. And take his yoke upon you. He's got a yoke that he wants to give you. He wants to take the yoke that you're carrying and give, his, give you his yoke because his, his burden, his yoke is light. And if you'll cast your cares upon him, you'll take upon yourself the light yoke of the Lord so that you can serve him in your life, knowing that he's got everything else under control. He's taking care of it. He's got you covered. Amen. Remember, we talked about it last week. This is as bad as this life, what you're going to experience is as bad as it's ever going to be for the Christian. We've got glory ahead of us. Amen. We've got heaven. We've got being with Jesus for the rest of all eternity ahead of us. And while we're here, wow, let's let's do what the Lord says. Humble ourselves before him and cast our cares before him. Spurgeon used an illustration of a man who came to to move, a man who came to move your furniture. But he carried a huge and heavy backpack of his own. And he complains that he finds it difficult to do the job of moving your furniture. Would you not suggest that he would find it easier if he laid down his own burden aside so that he could carry yours? In the same way, we cannot do God's work when we are weighed down by our own burdens and worries. Cast them upon him and then take up the Lord's burden, which is a light burden and a yoke that fits us perfectly. Amen. Those are the words of of Charles Spurgeon. We have to clothe ourselves with humility. And if you'll clothe yourself with humility, you will become well-established in the faith, in your faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, moving right ahead. Secondly tonight, resist the devil. Let's pick it up, verse 7, or actually verse 8. It says this, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be glory.